Thank you, Dave. Today is part three of our legacy series. In legacy, we've been talking about the fact that legacy, the concept, means a body of persons sent on a mission. Uh, God has called each of us to be on mission for Him. Fulfilling the great commandment, fulfilling the great commission is the call that God has placed on each one of our lives. So we're sent on a mission. And we have a legacy to leave to the next generation. That's how this Christianity thing works. We pass it on. We make disciples. We follow Christ, teach others to follow Christ. First week we talked about how extremely important it is to recognize God's call on our life because it leads us to the highest form of living. The highest need that can be met in a person's life is to live at the transcendent level, to live life for something greater than yourself. And there is no greater cause to live for than for Jesus Christ and his church. There just isn't. I make no apology for asking you to live your life for Christ and his church. No apology for calling you to make the church your legacy. Because the church is not only your greatest legacy, the church fulfills your greatest need. Legacy leavers are people who live their lives intentionally. They're people who are focused on something greater. They're focused on eternity, focused on what comes after this life. So today I want to talk to you about treasure in heaven. And specifically I want to talk to you about the judgment seat of Christ. The Bible says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And the all there is all believers. It's not all people, everyone. It's all believers. It's a different judgment than the one that everybody's going to be judged at. That one's called the great white throne judgment. And everyone, believers and unbelievers, will be judged there. That's the heaven and hell judgment. The heaven and hell judgment includes everyone, from Adam and Eve to everybody who's ever lived, everyone will be judged at the great, great white throne judgment. And Revelation tells us that that judgment, the Lamb's book of life, will be opened, and if your name is in there, then you get to go into heaven. And if your name is not in there, then you get to go into hell. Now, the way you get your name written in the Lamb's book of life is not by what you do. That's not a judgment based on your work, your effort, your goodness. It's a judgment that is based on whether or not you have trusted in Jesus Christ. The great white throne is not a works judgment. It's a faith judgment. And there's only one way to get into heaven. That's by trusting Jesus Christ for your salvation. And uh, that's the only way. It's not by obeying commandments. It's not through human effort. Do not confuse these two judgments. They, They are not the same. And the people who fail the great white throne judgment, they're not at the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is only for believers in Christ. And the Bible says that all believers will go through this judgment. So that each one may receive what is due him. Circle that word, receive. God has some things he wants to give you. God wants to reward you for the things done while in the body, whether good or or bad. God wants to, this is a works judgment. God wants to reward you for the works that you did while you were here on earth. What you do on earth in your body does not secure your salvation, only your faith in Christ does that. But what you do on earth as a believer counts for eternity. It it determines the level of reward that you're going to receive in heaven. Two different judgments, two different purposes. One judgment determines heaven or hell. One judgment determines the level of your reward. And if you're a believer, you'll be at both of those judgments. If you're not a believer, you'll just be at one. 
And so this would be your day to believe in Jesus Christ so that you can make it to that second judgment. Now, the word judgment here can kind of skew our minds a little bit. We hear the word judgment, judgment seat of Christ, and we immediately go negative. Like we're in trouble standing before the judge. But, but the judge here is not like a criminal judge determining guilt or innocence, right or wrong. That's already been settled. That was settled at the great white throne judgment. For the people at, at the judgment seat of Christ, the issue of sin, the issue of guilt, right, wrong, that's already all been settled. In fact, when it says that you'll be judged at the judgment seat of Christ, your works will be judged good or bad, the words used for good or bad are not the words for right or wrong. They're the words for useful or useless. See the difference? Are you, it's not if your works are right or wrong, it's are they useful or are they useless? Because some of the things that you do in this life are useful for eternity. Some of the things you do in this life are useless in eternity. So it's not that you're being judged for your sin. The idea is, is, is that your, your work is being judged to see what it's worth. Is it worth anything? I like the picture of, of an assayer. who you, know, you come and you bring a bag of rocks, all the works in your life, and you bring it and you present it to the, the assayer, and he's going to determine. And so Jesus, you know, he reaches in the bag, pulls out a rock, looks at it. Oh, this is a good rock. It's got silver in it. Puts it over here. Oh, this is a good rock. There's gold in this one. Puts it over there. This is a really good rock. This is diamond. Puts it over there. This rock, it's gravel. Puts it over here. Okay? This rock, it's fool's gold. It's useless. Okay? So each work is assayed. It's analyzed to determine its worth. Now the idea is not that you are examined or rated against other people. This judge is not like an umpire or a referee at a sporting event who's going to determine who wins, who loses, whether you're in or out. Sometimes this gets compared to like the Olympics and the Greek games and, and the idea of you know, the, the, uh, uh, an Olympic contest. That's, this is not a competition. This is not the, the gold, silver, and precious stones. It's not like gold, silver, and bronze, first, second, and third place. No. It's each work is assigned a value according to a set standard. Your work is either worth something or it's not. And the reward you receive is determined by the value of your work. A concept found in Romans 14 says, For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. And, and it's just very, very clear through Scripture that, that, that this is a reward thing. Not an in or out punishment thing. God is not going to treat everybody the same in heaven. He's just not. He's going to reward people for how they lived their life. Matthew 16, Jesus says, For the Son of Man, that's Jesus talking about himself, the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then <clears throat> he will reward each person according to what he has done. And the word for reward in these passages is either the word for wages, you'll get paid for what you've done. Or it's the word that kind of has the idea of a dividend. You get paid back for what you've invested. There are a lot of verses where Jesus says, you know, you do this, I'll pay you back a hundred, hundredfold. I'll pay you back more than what you put in. I'll pay you dividends on it. And the terms mean <clears throat> that God is going to give us something tangible. 
We're not just going to get an attaboy or good girl or way to go. It's going to be a tangible reward. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now because I've thought it myself. You're thinking, oh, I don't want a reward. I, it'll, I just, it'll be enough just for me just to get into heaven. I just want to be in God's presence. And I'll tell you, that's a great response. reflects a humble attitude. But that does not change the fact that God is going to reward you whether you like it or not. Okay? This is not about you and your humility and all of that. I mean, there are believers who think, oh, I don't want any rewards. I just want to spend eternity on my face and I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. That's not what the Bible says is going to happen. Okay? The Bible says clearly that God is going to reward you, so you're just going to have to adapt. Okay? Smile and say thank you when you get the reward. Hebrews 6 tells us God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. You may not even want the reward. It doesn't matter because it's not about you. This is about God's character, not you. And God rewarding people is one of the big themes of the New Testament. In fact, the New Testament ends in Revelation 22 with this concept. It says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Now that creates some tension for some people because you hear that and you think, oh man, that means some people are going to get a lot and some people aren't going to get anything. And so you know, some people are going to be really happy and some people are going to be sad and that's not fair. And so you know, that's just not, that's not fair. Listen, God is fair. God is just. So this will be done in a fair way. But fair does not mean equal. doesn't mean that it's equal. It means it's fair. But a decision to not do good works because you aren't interested in getting the reward, that decision is flawed. It's flawed. Because it's not that you need your good works. It's not that God needs your good works. It's that the people God loves need your good works. Again, it's not about you. You know, the people that Christ died for need help. Those little girls in Manila and the five years old in the sex trafficking industry, they need help. And God wants you to help them. And God says, if you'll help them, he'll reward you for it. Wow. So I want to give you today the reward tests so that you can understand how does this legacy thing work? How do I leave a legacy? How do I reap rewards? 1 Corinthians 3 says, if any man builds on this foundation, and the foundation that we're building on, previous verse, is the foundation, the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Your faith in Jesus Christ is your foundation. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. And right there you can see that there's levels to this process. Gold, silver, costly stones are different than wood, hay, and straw. They don't have the same value. Building a house out of gold is different than building a house out of straw. I mean, you get that. You get that. But sometimes you can't tell what something is worth just by looking at it. You can't tell that a work is good just by its appearance. So God is going to test your work to reveal what it's really made of. At the judgment seat, he's going to refine it. And he's going to assay it, analyze it. Is it gold, silver, and precious stones? Or is it wood, hay, and straw? He says his work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, and the day is the judgment seat of Christ, the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. God is going to test your works by the refining of fire. 
And if your works pass the test, you receive the reward. If your work gets burnt up, you lose the reward. That's what refining does. Refining burns off what is useless and it brings forth what is valuable. So I want to help you prepare for that test because that day is coming. And God's given us the answers to this. This is not a pop quiz where God's trying to surprise you or trick you. Okay? He's given you the answers to the test because he wants you to receive as many rewards as you possibly can. So what's the test? The first one is the test of relationship. Jesus says to the church in Ephesus, Revelation 2, he says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Jesus tells the Ephesians, I see the good things you're doing. I see your perseverance. I see your hard work, your personal effort. You're doing good things. I commend you for it. But, but you're doing them apart from your relationship with Jesus Christ. You've lost your first love. And so the critical question is, why do you do the good things that you do? Why do you serve in Rockbrook for kids? Why do you greet people at the door? Why do you clean on the cleaning ministry? Why do you bring food for the food drive? Why do you give in the offering? Do you do it under compulsion? Or do you do it because you love Jesus? Great commandment. If I love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, if I love God like that, what else could I possibly do but serve him? You know, that love is going to flow out of me into action, into acts of service for the God I love, for the people he loves, the people in the body of Christ, the church, the people in the world that he died for. So the first test for the works that I do is, am I doing these works out of a deep, loving relationship with Jesus Christ? Second test. It's the test of motive. Because we can fall into the trap of doing good works in order to manipulate God to try and get something from Him. And if we buy into this health, wealth, and prosperity heresy, you know, if we do good things, usually give money, then God's going to pay all your bills, heal all your ills, and do your will. And, uh, and that's just, you know, you're given to get, well, you're going to be disappointed because you're given with the wrong motive. That's not going to work out for you. It's a perversion of this biblical teaching. Most heresy is based on truth, partially. It's based on a partial truth, a half-truth. Because the truth is, God wants you to do good works. And God wants you to give. And God wants you to be rich. He does. 2 Corinthians 9, you will be made rich in every way. So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God blesses you so you can be generous. God blesses you so you can give more. God raises your standard of living so you can raise your standard of giving. Why? So that God gets praised all the more. The thanksgiving for that goes to God. Again, it's not about you. It's about God's glory. So we've got to be careful of the motive. Jesus talks about motive in Matthew 6. Be careful. Not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. God will 
reward you. But you got to do it with the right motive. You don't give to get. You give to give God glory. That's the motive. Third test. Test of love. Do we love the person that we are doing the works for? Do I love the kids that I'm teaching in Rockbrook for kids? Do I love the teens I'm working with in the Rockbrook youth group? Do I love the people that I greet at the door? Do I love the people who use the facility that I clean as part of the cleaning team? Do I love the people who drink the coffee that I make? Or do I just love coffee? (laughs) There there can be a difference. Now this, this afternoon, third Sunday of the month, we're doing our growth track class 301 Discovery. And we call it 301 Discovery because we help you discover the spiritual gifts that God has given you to help you build up the church. We help you discover the personality that God gave you when he made you. And we help you discover your passion, your heart. Who do you love to help grow, to become like Christ? Okay? Because serving and loving Love is the fuel that drives ministry. Loving God, loving other people. It's the fuel. Ministry's not just about doing. It's not just about giving. Not just about going. It's not about you doing something that you love. It's about you loving the people that you're doing it for. Paul says, if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. He says there's no reward in that. I gain nothing. Without love, good works are useless. Now, you can't just say, well, I don't love those people, so I don't have to do anything for them. I don't love to work with kids. I don't love to work with teens. I don't love to greet people, so I'm off the hook. It's not the way it works. Why? Because God has commanded you to love them. In the great commandment, God commands you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. In fact, God promises to give you the love for the people you serve. Love's a fruit of the Spirit. It's not something you muster up. It's something we love them because God first loved us. God's love for us is the source of our love for them. The love of Christ compels us to love other people. Serving and loving are tied together in in an amazingly powerful way. You start serving, you'll start loving. You start loving, you can't help but serve. It's the test of love. Fourth test is the test of eternity. Because not all acts of kindness, not all good works, make it all the way through eternity. Some of the things won't make the cut because we are required, we're commissioned by God to connect our good works with the good news of the gospel. The good work has got to be connected with the good news in order for it to make it into eternity. And, and it's possible to do that. Jesus says you can use temporary things to gain eternal results. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, when the money's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. So it's the test of eternity. So how do we use what we've been given here on earth to store up treasure in heaven? Because that's what it's all about. It's about leaving a legacy and reaping a reward. Jesus says do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves. Store up for yourselves. Treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And so the concept of legacy, leaving something for the next generation, reaping something for myself in eternity, it, it just plays out, for, it plays out in these three great truths. Let me give you these. 
Number one, I must realize that God owns everything. Everything. He owns it. The car you drive, the house you live in, the food you eat, not just your tithe, but 100% of what you make belongs to God. So I have to figure out how to leverage all of this stuff to God's benefit. Because everything belongs to God. First Chronicles 29, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Everything. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. The starting point for all of this has got to be God as sovereign, God as king, God as creator. It all starts with God, finds its purpose in God, and ends in God's glory. And if that's true, and it is, then number two, I must manage everything I have on his behalf. If God's the owner of everything, then my question should be, how do you want me to manage your Monday? God, how do you want me to manage uh, your house that you're letting me live in? How do I manage your money, your time, your life, your body? My thoughts, my ideas come from the brain that God gave me. My every breath is breathed with lungs that God gave me. The air I breathed was created by God. The Bible says the words of my mouth, even the, the meditations of my heart are to be acceptable to God. If you start at that basic level, then of course everything else I do and everything I have must be used in a way that glorifies God. What a high calling God has placed on your life. What a high calling. And the question is, are you going to squander that high calling chasing some petty urge of the flesh or some puny little earthly desire or pleasure? Are you going to sacrifice that call, that life, on the altar of the flesh? Or are you going to be a living sacrifice for God's glory? And God says that if I make that sacrifice, if I leverage everything in my life on His behalf, even a cup of cold water given in His name, something as simple as that, I tell you the truth, He will certainly not lose His reward. That reward won't be burned up at the judgment seat. It will make its way through to an eternal reward. And so, number three, you've got to focus your whole life towards the eternal. The greatest deterrent to legacy is living for the here and now. The greatest deterrent to legacy is, is pulling your eyes off of eternity and looking at right now. But when you realize you're just passing through, when you realize this is just a moment here in space and time, but you live that moment in space and time with your eyes, with your heart, fixed on eternity, it changes everything. It changes your legacy. It increases your reward. Now the Bible tells us that, that there's, there's two different paths here. Philippians 3, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. See the difference? One or the other. Either your God is your belly, your glory is in your shame, you're pursuing your flesh, or 
Your citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you and I are going to face these tests every day. Every day you're going to be tested on your relationship with Jesus Christ. Every day you're going to be tested on your motives. Every day you're going to be tested on your love. Every day you're going to be tested. Are you living for now or are you living for eternity? Every day. And one day, God's going to hold you to account. One day, you're going to stand before him. And either your name's written in the Lamb's book of life or it isn't. Either you've trusted in Jesus Christ or you haven't. It all depends on you. If you've trusted in Christ, you're in. And if you've trusted in Christ, then you give an account for how you lived your life. And Jesus Christ will take the works in your life and he will analyze it and assay it and refine it. And the question on that day is going to be, has your life produced gold or gravel? That's the question. Now let me tell you the really cool thing about this. Is Jesus Christ loves to take sinners and turn them into saints. Jesus Christ loves to take dead people and resurrect them. Jesus Christ loves to take gravel and turn it into gold. And so you can, you know, you may have think you've wasted your years and you've squandered your opportunities, but Christ is offering to you today the opportunity to redeem those years. He wants to do it. It's just who he is. It's the kind of God that he is. He wants to take sin and forgive it. He wants to take all the stuff that's worthless and useless in your life and redeem it and turn that gravel into gold. But here's the deal. It's got to happen here, not there. If, if it happens here, it's just in time. If it happens there, it's too late. This is the time. This is your window. And you've got to let him do it. You know, if you hang on to your gravel, if you refuse to give it up, if you choose to defend it, if you dig into your sin rather than release it and confess it, you're making your choice. And you will receive your reward accordingly. God's fair. You made your choice. But if you surrender your life to Christ, if you confess your sin, if you allow Christ's righteousness to reign in your life, He will reward you beyond what you could ever imagine. It's what He loves to do. And you will leave a legacy and you will reap a reward. That's His offer. That's His call. Let's pray. The only way to get your name written in the Lamb's book of life is to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you're here today and you've never trusted in Christ, this is your moment. This is the time for you to make that decision. And to just pray in the quietness of your own heart, just say, God, I, just thank, I thank you for paying for my sins, for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I thank you for that. And I recognize there's nothing I can do to earn my salvation from you. And so I surrender, I repent, I yield, I confess, I ask you, come in, make me alive. Give me a new, eternal, and abundant life. I'm trusting Christ today. And God has promised when you pray that prayer, when you make that decision, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. 
and heaven is yours forever. And maybe you're here today and you're a believer. God is calling you to leave a legacy with your life. God is calling you to live life at the highest level, to live for something greater than yourself. And the greatest cause ever is the church. And God invites you to come into it, to be part of it, to work in it, and to store up treasure in heaven. And you may have wasted years and squandered opportunities. God wants to take those and redeem them and turn them around and use them for His glory. God wants to take your gravel and turn it into gold. Yield your life to Him. Make that decision and live from this day forward in light of His love. Live with your eyes focused on eternity. And be the person that he's called you to be. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.